At her beck and call by Flora Annie Steele. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Newgate Novelist. At her beck and call by Flora Annie Steele. What is your name? I asked. Fooly Jan, huzzah, she answered with a brilliant, dazzling smile. I sat looking at her, wondering if a more appropriate name could have been found for that figure among the anemones and celandines, the primulas, pansies, and pinks, the thousand and one blossoms which, glowing against their groundwork of forget-me-not, formed a jewel mosaic right to the foot of the snows above us flowerful life truly that was hers she had a great bunch of scarlet rhododendrons stuck behind her ear matching the cloth cap perched jauntily on her head and as she sat herding her buffaloes on the upland she had threaded chaplet on chaplet of oxide daisies and hung them about her wherever they could be hung the result was distinctly flowerful her face also was distinctly pretty, distinctly clean for a Kashmiri girl's. But coquette, flirt, minx was written in every line of it, and accounted for a most unusual neatness and brightness. She caught my eye and smiled again, broadly, innocently. The Huzor would like to paint my picture, wouldn't he? She went on in a tone of certainty the saib who came last year gave me five rupees i will take six this year food is dear and those base-born contractors of the maharaja seize everything one walnut in ten one chicken in ten but i was not going to be beguiled into the old complaints i could hear any and every day from the hags of the village up here on the merg within a stone's throw of the first patch of snow picketing the outskirts of the great glacier of guashbrari i liked if possible to forget how vile man could be in the little shingle huts clustering below by the river i will not describe the place to begin with it defies description and next could i even hint at its surpassing beauty the globe-trotter would come and defile it it is sufficient to say that a merg is an upland meadow or alp and that this one with its forget-me-nots and sparkling glaciers was like a turquoise set in diamonds i had seated myself on a projecting spur whence i could sketch a frowning defile northwards down which the emerald green river was dashing madly among huge rocks crowned by pine trees i will give five rupees also that is plenty i remarked suavely and fooly jan smiled again it must do for i like being painted only a few saibs come very few but whenever they see me they want to paint me and the flowers and it makes the other girls in the village angry then golu and chochu here she went off into a perfect cascade of smiles and began to pull the eyelashes off the daisies deliberately 
there seems a peculiar temptation in girlhood for cruelty towards flowers all over the world and Fulijan was pre-eminently girlish she looked eighteen but i doubt if she was really more than sixteen even so it was odd to find her unappropriated so i inquired if golu or chochu was the happy man my mother is a widow she replied without the least hesitation it depends which will pay the most for we are poor there are others too so there is no hurry they are at my beck and call she crooked her forefinger and nodded her head as if beckoning to someone for sheer light-hearted innocent enjoyment of her own attraction i never saw the equal of that face i should have made my fortune if i could have painted it there in the blazing sunlight framed in flowers but it was too much for me therefore i asked her to move to the right further along the promontory so that i could put her in the foreground of the picture i had already begun there by that first clump of iris i said pointing to a patch of green sword leaves where the white and lilac blossoms were beginning to show she gave a perceptible shudder what sit on a grave not i does not the hussar know that those are graves it is true all our people are buried here we plant the iris over them always if you ask why i know not it is the flower of death a sudden determination to paint her the flowerful life against the flowerful death completely obliterated the knowledge of my own incompetence but i urged and bribed in vain fulijan would not stir she would not even let me pick a handful of the flowers for her to hold it was unlucky besides one never knew what one might find in the thickets of leaves bones and horrid things had i never heard that dead people got tired of their graves and tried to get out even if they only wanted something in their graves they would stretch forth a hand to get it that was one reason why people covered them up with flowers just to make them more contented the idea of stooping to cull a flower and shaking hands with a corpse was distinctly unpleasant even in the sunlight so i gave up the point and began to sketch the girl as she sat rather a difficult task for she chattered incessantly did i see that thin blue thread of smoke in the dark pole of pine trees covering the bottom of the valley that was golu's fire he was drying aris root for the maharaja there on the opposite merg where the buffaloes showed dark among the flowers was chachu's hut undoubtedly chachu was the richer but golu could climb like an ibex it was he whom the hussar was going to take as a guide to the peak he could dance too the hussar should see him dance the circle dance round the fire no one turned so slowly as golu he would not frighten a young lamb except when he was angry well jealous if the hussar thought that a better word by the time she had done chattering there was not a petal left on the ox-eyed daisies and i was divided between pity and envy towards golu and chuchu that evening as usual i set my painting to dry on the easel at the door of the tent as i lounged by the camp-fire smoking my pipe a big young man coming in with a jar of buffalo milk on his shoulder 
and a big bunch of red rhododendron behind his ear stopped and grinned at my caricature of Fooly john five minutes after down by the servants encampment i heard a free fight going on and strolled over to see what was the matter after the manner of cashmere quarrels it had ended almost as it began for the race love peace that it had so ended was not however i saw at a glance the fault of the smaller of the antagonists who was being forcibly held back by my shikari chachu that man there wanted to charge golu this man here the same price for milk as he does your honour explained the shikari elaborately that was extortionate even though golu being the hussar's guide for to-morrow may be said to be your honour's servant for the time i have settled the matter justly the hussar need not give thought to it i looked at the two recipients of fooly john's favour with interest for that the bunches of rhododendron they both wore were her gift i did not doubt they were both fine young men but golu was distinctly the better looking of the two if a trifle sinister despite the recommendation of my shikari to cast thought aside the incident lingered in my memory and i mentioned it to fooly john when on returning to finish my sketch i found her waiting for me among the flowers her smile was more brilliant than ever they will not hurt each other she said chachu knows that golu is more active and golu knows that chachu is stronger it is like the dogs in our village i was not thinking of them i replied i was thinking of you supposing they were to quarrel with you she laughed they will not quarrel in summer time there are plenty of flowers for everybody i thought of those red rhododendrons and could not repress a smile at her barefaced wisdom of the serpent and in the winter time then i will marry one of them or some one i have only to choose that is all they are at my beck and call three years passed before recurring leave enabled me to pay another visit to the murg the rhododendrons were once more on the uplands and as i turned the last corner of the pine-set path which threaded its way through the defile i saw the meadow before me with its mosaic of flowers bright as ever the memory of fooly john came back to me as she had sat in the sunshine nodding and beckoning fooly john echoed the old patriarch who came out to welcome me as i crossed the plank bridge to the village fooly john the herd girl Huzor, she is dead she died from picking flowers a vain thing it was at the turn beyond the murg Huzor, halfway between chachu's hut and golu's drying stage there is a big rhododendron tree hanging over the cliff and she must have fallen down it is three years gone three years then it must have happened almost immediately after i left the valley the idea upset me i knew not why the murg without that flowerful life nodding and beckoning felt empty and i found myself wondering if indeed the girl had fallen down or if she had played with flowers too recklessly and one of her lovers 
perhaps both it was an idea which dimmed the sunshine and i was glad that i had arranged not to remain for the night but to push on to another meadow some six miles further up the river to do so however i required a fresh relay of coolies and while my shikari was arranging for this in the village i made my way by a cross-cut to the promontory with its patches of iris deaths are rare in these small communities and there were but two or three new graves all but one too recent to be poor fooly john's that then must be hers with its still clearly defined oblong of iris already a mass of pale purple and white i sat down on a rock and began unromantically to eat my lunch finishing up with a pull at my flask and thus providentially fortified i stooped ere leaving to pick one or two of the blossoms from the grave intending to paint them round the sketch of the girl's head which i had with me great heavens what was that i turned positively sick with horror and doubt was it a hand it was some time before i could force myself to set aside the sheathing leaves and settle the point something it was something which even as i parted the stems fell to pieces as the skeleton of a beckoning hand might have done i did not stay to see more i let the flowers close over it whatever it was and made my way back to the village my baggage having changed shoulders was streaming out over the plank bridge again and in the two first bearers carrying my cook-room pots and pans i recognised golu and chuchu they had both grown stouter and wore huge bunches of red rhododendron behind their ears i found out on inquiry that they were both married and had become bosom friends i have not seen the turquoise set in diamonds since but i often think of it and wonder what it was i saw among the iris and then i seem to see fuli chan sitting among the flowers nodding her head and saying they are at my beck and call if i were golu or chuchu i would be buried somewhere else End of At Her Beck and Call by Flora Annie Steele